where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, our host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show from Remax Results and the Red Hot Real Estate Group, Miss Mimi Shoneman. Hello. Good morning. I'm so happy to see you. Also happy to be joined by our good friend from Cross Country Mortgage, also in here with Mr. Phil Olson. How's it going, Phil? Good morning. Phil, can we please get your NMLS number out of oh, the way, please? Oh, absolutely. NMLS, two. 38103 company and MLS 3029 Cross Country Mortgage. We're an equal housing opportunity mortgage company. Thank you for sharing all of that information. So also sharing what's going on here. I know there's lots of people going, oh my gosh, the sun's finally out again. We had one day of winter. Now what do I do as far as if I should start looking for homes again? What's going on out there, Mimi? Oh, you know what? We we are such a tough group here in Minnesota Mm -hmm. and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. We don't care if it snows. (laughs) No. One day of snow didn't matter. It's nothing. No, nothing but a thing. Six inches. Forget about it. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah. All right, folks. We the Super Bowl has happened. Right. Football's over. Guess Boom. what that means? That means that we are in hot, hot, hot territory. Everybody starts get looking because you said winter's done officially. Super Not that Bowl, we had a winter this time. But. Super Bowl. It, the end of Super Bowl mm-hmm. marks the beginning of the spring real estate market, folks. Get a load of the following: Lake Superior has less than two percent of the lake covered in ice. Wow. Standard year is 40% of Lake Superior. And they matter of fact, they even said there was hardly any ice to do any ice fishing. That's what I heard. Isn't that crazy? Let me tell you what I saw with my own eyes. I saw ice houses out sitting on ice Fishing in open water. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Right people, here in the city. There's no way. There's no fish worth that. No, exactly. No, uh-uh. no. You need to well, sit you on the shore. SpongeBob real exactly. Quick. You can just sit on the shore like everybody else. You do not need to put your ice house out there on that that shaky ice. Man, mm-hmm. I tell you what. That when I first moved here, walking on ice was my biggest terror. <laughs> it, I couldn't even get over it that people did that. Walking, much less when I first saw my first truck, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, everybody crazy. All these people about to do a non-charitable version of the polar plunge yeah, you need to get off of that shaky yeah. thin ice no yeah. yes yeah. all right folks spring market for real estate has happened yes we're here we're a real estate show we want to talk to you about real estate we want to talk to you about buying and selling investing all of that good fun stuff and that phone number is 651-641-1071 because today's also going to be a great day to call in because we have an added incentive right mimi for we, anybody that calls in absolutely today with a question do. for you and phil so here's what we're going to do for everybody who calls in today your name is going to go into a hat to win two tickets to the 90th anniversary minneapolis home plus garden show February 21st through the 25th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. We've got two tickets hot on the press waiting to give it away. It's going to go into a pool. You have to leave your information with our producer mm-hmm. so we can get to you. Right. Um, so we also need two ways to reach you in right. case the numbers are transposed. Yes. So uh, we are excited to talk to people. Now, mm-hmm. our topic today is... First of all, we're going to be talking about things that you need to consider with your mortgage and your real estate if you're contemplating or in the middle of a divorce. Mm-hmm. My D-O-R-D-O-V-O-R-C-E. Yes. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. But that's good information, folks. And what else have you got over there, Mr. Phil? 
Oh, I think, well, we've got some divorce statistics, and I can give you a good market update as to what kind of went down here this week. We had a shaky week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, real shaky, shaky week. Your core price index and your producer price index, those are both indexes that came out regarding inflation. And unfortunately, it's not going away. Okay. It went back up. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, the, the market's barfed, sorry yeah. to say. And we saw our 401k go down 700 points in one day. And, oh, by the way, we saw mortgage interest rates rise a quarter to three-eighths of a percent across the board. Okay. But I'm hoping that the Fed, which they were thinking about dropping rates in March and April, now they're kind of, I think they're going to put that on the back Hold it off, yeah. Until either June or July. So, I mean, right now, do I foresee inflation getting a lot worse? I don't think so. Do I think it will get worse? Possibly. Okay. And that has to do with oil and that has to do with the Strait of Hormuz and, you know, the Red Sea and what's going on in Yemen and all the tankers now going around. What do they call it? The Horn of Africa. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's called. And shipping container costs are going up. So. There's a lot that, you know, we were talking about this on the Financial Health and Wealth Show. Like, there's a reason why it's a value for people to go, let me tap into um, uh, my my net of experts. Because there are so many things, like you just rattled off, things we rattled off in the previous show, that would make it even more complicated in this scenario to go, where are we at and how do I make a good, uh, a quality decision and it's like, you know what, you were worrying about being an expert in your effort. Let's talk to somebody and go, here's the best options that we can provide you with right now based upon this giant pile mm-hmm. of information right. that we're, we're swimming and then, through. And then so, the other thing is, is people are borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And now I'm st- starting to see a big spike mm-hmm. in my clientele database of people taking out home equity loans. Okay. Okay. Now, if you're taking out a home equity loan to do something to your house, I can see that. I can also see it when people have so much debt at 20, and I've heard that credit cards, some are up to 38%. Ouch. Up to 38%, but your average is 20 to 23. They're using home equity loans to pay off credit card debt. Now knock that's, that out. Now, that's okay. great. That's great if that cures the problem. Okay. And what I mean by that is they pay off all their debt and then they go back to their same spending levels and they accumulate more debt. Right. And then they don't understand the home equity product that they're getting. Let's stop there. That's a good stopping point. They don't understand the home equity product that they're getting. Let's let's unpack that. All right. Well, you've got a multitude, but a lot of people gravitate to the lowest payment. All right, because they're trying to save the most amount of money. The lowest payment would be a home equity loan that's an interest-only home equity loan. That's interest-only for the first 10 years, and then that converts into a 20-year adjustable rate mortgage. Okay. Your your standard HELOC right now is probably anywhere between probably 85 to 11%. Now, if you're paying 20% interest on credit cards, okay, I can see that, but now understand you're converting a short-term debt into a long-term debt. Okay. So what would you recommend that folks do in those situations? Anytime anytime a consumer were to ask me, 
what's the best type of home equity? I would go with a fixed rate home equity loan. Okay. Some lenders don't offer it. So you're going to have to look around. But you could go with a five-year, 10-year, 15, or even a 20-year. That's about the max you're going to get on a fixed rate second. Now, as you take the lesser term, the lower the rate is, but then your payback is much bigger. Okay. So your question, my question to you is, if somebody takes a home equity line of credit, that's a separate loan. It does not affect the first mortgage that they have. Does it change that rate? Does it remain the same? Your first mortgage doesn't change. The home equity loan goes into a secondary position. Believe it or not, I've actually seen people with three mortgages. That would be called a tertiary position. And how does that happen, though, with the third position? If you've got enough equity, sometimes a third mortgage might be better than converting your second mortgage into a new second mortgage. Okay. It all really just depends on the mortgage rates and the term. All right. So let me ask you a question. So let's just say that homeowner A needs windows mm-hmm. and they cost a lot of money. Right. Yes. As Miss Shannon. Knows. Yes, they do. And so I don't know what the terms are that the window companies are offering right now. Some are offering 12 months, same as cash. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't and they need windows is in your opinion, and I'm not holding you to the fire here is getting a second mortgage to pay for something like that at a fixed rate, a good idea. It's it's a much better rate than being an interest only okay. because you basically you're borrowing the money, all right, and you're not paying it back. Mm-hmm. But you're still making a monthly payment every single month. You know that loan if you don't if you don't convert it to a fixed rate or you don't pay above and beyond the interest only payment, thirty thousand dollars borrowed today will be thirty thousand dollars in ten years from now. Right, and all too often that is what I see. On a daily basis, I'm looking at people's home equity loans. They took out seventeen thousand five years ago. They still owe seventeen thousand. You're not correcting the problem, here. right? All you're doing is extending the problem by taking out that specific type of product. So, really, you need to have a plan if you're going to take out a home equity line of credit, as with any other mortgage or loan, you need to understand what you're borrowing. You need to understand how you should pay it back, when you should pay it back, and what the plan is. All right, folks. So when we come back from this break, we are going to launch right into the market update for real estate, and then we're going to talk and take your questions about divorce. And if you'd like to be a part of the show, that number is 651-641-1071. Be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can go to our website, mytalk1071.com. Use that keyword red hot and get this episode and previous episodes. Reminding you that you can be part of the show and today also be in the drawing for those tickets to the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show coming up February 21st through the 25th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. To do that, just give us a call with any of your mortgage related questions, mortgage and mortgage and real estate related questions today at 651-641-1071. Again, that's 651-641-1071. Okay, folks, we're just going to do a quick snapshot for the week ending February 3rd. Thanks to our friends at the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. Folks in the room here, how many months of inventory do we have right now when a normal market is between five and six months of inventory? 1.9. Miss Shannon? 
Uh, I'm going to say, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go over. I mean, go under. I'm going to say 1.75. Y'all are right in the middle. 1.8 months, people. Okay. Okay. So what is, what does this tell me that besides these guys are so smart, um, Also that we listen to you. You've been warning us. It tells all of us that we are very much still square away in a seller's market. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Because there's more buyers than there are homes for sale. Right. Okay. Lots more buyers. Many, many, many more buyers. And our median sales price increased to 353.9 days on market, went up to 51 days. That's from the day that you list the house till you turn the keys over to the new person. Right. Uh, the percent of original list price received increased again to 96.7. Now, keep in mind, 96.7 is very much low compared to our high, which was like 102, 103% back at the peak. Right. Um, in the, the pandemic peak. Uh, so that's our market update, folks. Now, um, I, I do kind of feel want to talk to you a little bit about what we talked about before we came onto the show and about waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked to a lot of folks during the week uh, about what their plans are. You know, what, what's your, you know, you, you want to buy a house, but you're not really doing anything about it. You're just kind of sitting on the fence. You're monitoring what's going on. You know, you think you're going to wait until house prices come down or until the quote unquote myth of a foreclosure bubble is going to break out again or until, you know, you hit the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, folks, what this uh, 1.8 months of inventory is telling you is that, yes, it's still a seller's market. However, we have a window of opportunity because the interest rates, people are kind of paused. And so our sellers, while there's not a lot of inventory, they may be a little more motivated because they understand that interest rates are painful right now. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that I'm seeing in this market is if the house is not pristine, in other words, it's got issues. Mm-hmm. Those are the properties that are staying on the market longer. Okay. But that's a benefit to a buyer. Mm-hmm. That benefit to the buyer is there's probably things that they can do to the home to build automatic equity in the home. They might be able to negotiate a better price on that property. Uh, they might be able to get concessions. Yes. They might be able to get a 2-1 buy-down. I mean, there's all kinds of positives on a property that's been sitting on the market a while. And what I challenge, what I'm challenging millennials and Gen Zers to do is to buy that smaller house. Yes. Okay, buy that house that maybe has some maintenance Minor maintenance. Some minor maintenance, like some dings and some dents type things. Because that's the house that you can build your equity in. Stay in the home. Call me in five years after we sell it to you. Take your equity and then go buy that better home. Right. But here's the problem. The millennials and the Gen Zers, they want the perfect Listen, House. I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole people on their gender or on their their generation generation. Yeah. This is across the board, as I'm seeing it. Most people want a, a turnkey house. 
They don't want to go in. Very few people, I would say the people that I'm in touch with, maybe 10% are, are okay with a fixer. Which is interesting because I was totally fine with it. And you, I remember you going, are you sure? And it's because I, I didn't know I was such an anomaly yeah. that I'm going, oh, yeah, I understand this. As long as the roof was fine and there wasn't like, you know, and then there were some other things we built into it, like making sure there was American Home Shield involved so that they didn't turn out I was buying a money pit. Yes. Right. That's different than going, Painting. yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to paint. I'm going to have to go fill in some things. I'm going to, you know, I knew that I was, you know, in a couple of years was going to, yeah, I was saving up to do windows. We talked about that. Yeah. So it's also getting the right advice from your professionals. You know, the, the other thing that you guys are trying to outrun is appreciation mm-hmm. by waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, houses are still continuing to appreciate. Why is that supply and demand? There's not enough houses to go around. Well, we were talking about this prior to the show, Mimi and I, that if I drop interest rates by one full percentage point, but a house appreciates 5% in one year, your cost of your home compared to the drop in interest rate is wiped out. Right. Okay. You're at the same payment. But you have the house. You, that's the key. Here's you, the thing. You've got the house. When, it, when interest rates drop, I am certain of it, as certain as I have a right hand, that people are going to flood the market and we're going to be back in 21 where people are paying up and over by dramatic amounts I'm, of money. I'm already seeing that. Okay. Yeah. I'm already seeing that, not on all transactions, but I think last week when I was on the show, I told you my client had 11 offers. Yes, they went above and beyond by $53,000 to get the house. Okay. But the house was listed well below the market price. And there, therein lies exactly the strategy. Okay. You don't want to be above. You don't want to try and test. Let's test the market. No. Testing the market is not a good idea. You want to be right on the nose or, or just a little bit under for sure in order to, to create that kind of frenzy that every seller possibly wants. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay, Phil. Um, enough about that. Divorce. <laughs> you know, we, we know that that's a reality. Right. 50, 49% of the people that are married may face this. Um, we pray for you. We want to make sure that you are, are being well taken care of. And Phil, what are some of these divorce statistics that you have for us today? All right. Well, I don't even have this one listed, but I, I, I saw this one. 52% of all marriages turn into a divorce. Right. 52%. That's, that's really sad. Yeah. Sorry to say. All right. Minnesota divorce rate is 6%. It actually went down 1.1% since 2018. Okay. What state has the highest divorce rate? Arkansas. Okay. 23.27. They have the highest. Um, the U.S. divorce rate here last year was 14.56%. Okay. Um, what one city in Minnesota has the highest divorce rate? It's crazy. In Vir- the Twin Cities or in the whole state? Whole state. Whole state. Rochester. Mm. Virginia. Virginia, Minnesota. Virginia, Minnesota. And guess what? They've had the record now for the fourth four last years. Oh. The lowest divorce rate in all of Minnesota. That one blew me away. North Oaks. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very nice. Which probably your average purchase price of a home in North Oaks is what? Eight, 800 plus. 800 plus. Okay. okay. Um, Phil, so a lot of times when people are uh, facing the possibility of getting divorced, they want to know. 
can I keep the house versus should I keep the house? Mm-hmm. Um, what I have experienced with the divorcing couples that I have worked with is there seems to be for one party over another uh, that they there's a lot of sentimental right. value that goes into the house, mm-hmm. a lot of memories, a lot of issues with children and stability. Mm-hmm. And the house is the key, is the grounder for that. Right. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about from the mortgage perspective, uh, should you keep the house or not? We also want to encourage you to be part of the show. Today is a great day to get your question into the room because you're also in the running to get those tickets to the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show that's going to be coming up February 21st through the 25th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. You can be part of the show by calling us at 651-641-1071. Again, that's 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can get this episode and previous episodes if you go to our website, mytalk1071.com. Use that keyword red hot. Also reminding you, you have plenty of time to get your question into the room. If you would like to get your voice in here, just call us at 651-641-1071. And you'll also be entered into that drawing for those two tickets to the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show, courtesy my friend Mimi Shoneman over there okay folks so our question for phil we're going to kind of just use this as an open forum discussion Mm -hmm. so what what i hear a lot of times is that there's often one party that really wants to keep the house and versus whether they should keep the house and so now with interest rates where they are and home prices uh, appreciating at the rate that they are is it smart to do it so one thing i want to mention is that if you have children if the child is over the age of 15, whether or not this income can or cannot be used if you want to stay with the house? Phil? Great, great question. It's called continuous of income. It's the three-year rule. Okay. If your child will reach emancipation. Emancipation by? Within the three years. Okay. You cannot count the child support. So in a situation like that, if we're drafting up a uh, divorce decree, it might behoove that person to receive alimony versus child support as long as the alimony is going to last longer than three years. But all too often, I will talk to somebody that's divorced They're receiving $1,000 a month for three children, Mm -hmm. and one of the children is 16, the other one's 17, and the other one is 14. The only part you can count is one-third of your $1,000 a month in child support. For the youngest child. For the youngest child. Whereas if they changed it to where maybe you're paid less alimony, but you're paid longer, then that would benefit you in trying to get a mortgage. So instead of getting a thousand dollars for a certain a certain amount of time, if you got seven hundred, okay, yeah, we're losing three hundred. But understand, it stops. Let's talk about that. Okay, so just so we can kind of explain, if if you ha- you can only count for three years for the children that are under fifteen, is that right? Correct. Okay. So if you've got a 17-year-old, you only get one year because that one year till they're 18. Is that right? Let me back up. Very rarely do I see it. But in a divorce decree, if it states 
that the child will continue to be paid while in college. Okay. But then it becomes complicated. Is the child in college at that point in time? How long has the child been in college? And will the underwriter believe that the child will continue? Because high school high school education is required. Okay. College isn't. Okay. So let's just talk about language. Um, so all of this is very specific in the divorce decree. So when we're working with uh, couples that are, are divorced and they want to sell property, we need a copy of the divorce decree so that mm-hmm. we know what the parameters are so that we're not making a mistake and doing something. Now, keep in mind in Minnesota that it takes one to buy, two to sell. Um, so, you know, just because you may have quick claimed somebody off of a deed or what have you, we need both people to be able to sell two two people and if you're not getting along, we need to figure out a way to overcome that. Right. Um, because both people will be required to list the property. Both people will be required to sign when they're selling the property. You, we have to make sure that, that you know, one party is not uh, doing things to prevent things from happening. Phil? Okay. Real quick. Attorneys are great, but they're not real estate, professional real estate agents, and they're not professional mortgage providers. They don't know all the rules. They might think they do, but they don't. If you've got a complicated divorce, it is best for you to be talking to Mimi and myself before you even meet with the lawyer. So that way we can understand your whole situation. Could it also be that it might be legally possible for it to do is like, this is the way we would draw it up and legally it is possible. But since it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't take into account their credit, the underwriters, all these other things. So even though it's legally possible, when it doesn't s- mean that it monetarily is going to actually work out. When you say legally possible, can you, what I mean is, you know, just because like, you know, cause I have attorney friends. So like it might be, yes, this is the way we can draft this agreement that it would be equitable. The judge will sign off on it. Both yep. parties would sign off on it and agree to it. So, by the court of law, it is allowed to write it that way. But that doesn't mean that once you start trying to do it in practicality, since they haven't already talked to a mortgage professional and real that you can't just because they want to sign each other off doesn't mean that they'll be able to do it based upon credit, income, all those other things. So it's called execution. Yeah. Are they right. able to execute? And just let me throw up, throw something out. Let's say we're dealing with a self-employed borrower and he's been self-employed for one year, but he's supposed to buy out the other party. Right. And just because when that person provided their financials to the lawyer, it said you, they made 500000 a year. Oh, well, they can refinance. Well, they've only been on the job for one year. Okay. They have See. to wait two years. But yet the divorce decree says the buyout has to happen within the next four to six months. And that's what I mean is technically by legal standards, it's allowed, but you didn't add in all of the can't. Is it fiscally possible to have it happen? So a lot of things can happen in one year mm-hmm. and a lot of things can't happen. Um, to your point, Phil, if they are, don't have the capacity to do it, let's just say that they get, got laid off between, between the time that the d- divorce decree was written to the time that they need to sell the house. That's a problem. Sure. Um, if the house has deferred maintenance, if it, if the, it has gone to complete pot mm-hmm. and it needs carpet, it needs windows, it needs a roof, deferred maintenance, people, this really impacts the value of a house. 
And if they don't have the capacity, if they've lost their job or they're ill or different things that have have been uh, extenuating circumstances, that this can cause a problem. How about if they stop making payments on debts that were joint debts that in the divorce decree, it says they're responsible just because you're responsible for a debt in a divorce decree doesn't mean that that borrower or that customer or consumer executes that. Right. Can you give an example of that? Now you've got two people where they had good credit and now they don't have great credit. Now, how do they do the refinance? Exactly. So they have to have to maintain the credit. Um, Let's talk about sabotage. Mm -hmm. So you got two hostile people that once were very much together and one is furious for whatever reason. Um, They've cheated on them or Mm -hmm. they've they've done this, that or the other thing. And they decide, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stick it to you. Right. And I'm going to sabotage this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that over the years. And and that's where it really comes down to uh, the first thing I have on my list when considering to do a divorce are our parties willing to work together. If you have a hostile situation and you bring me that hostile situation, I will tell you, you need to get through the divorce. Okay. We, we can't move forward because there are too many landmines that can pop up during the course of that specific process. And it could be as simple as, well, I said I'd refinance, but now I've changed my mind mm-hmm. and I won't go to the closing. Yes. All right. So it's either you have a legal separation agreement or you have a legal divorce decree that's been signed off by the judge. And the more complicated the divorce becomes, the more likelihood you're going to be told you have to get through the divorce first before we can proceed. Why is that? Because as a mortgage loan officer or as a lender, we have to qualify the borrower's income, but we also have to qualify the borrower's liabilities. Okay. And frequently in a divorce decree, we can see additional liabilities. Yes. Okay. Um, There's something that we have been told is called a spousal maintenance glitch. I'm going to let you talk about this, Phil. There's a glitch between lending guidelines and the IRS family law. Spousal maintenance payments are deductible from gross income, according to the IRS. Now, lenders generally will not subtract alimony spousal maintenance payments from your gross income and qualify off of the adjusted gross income. Um, So how do you treat uh, spousal maintenance versus child support? And how does that work when you're qualifying somebody? All right. So child support is a simple calculation as a liability. What is being collected on a monthly basis becomes the monthly obligation debt. Okay. It doesn't really change with alimony. It's the same thing. If the divorce decree says you're supposed to pay this on a monthly basis, even though you might get a break from the IRS, we don't take that into account. It comes down to then that reduces your income, which then creates your debt to income ratio to go higher. Because income goes down because it's a liability and your purchasing power or refinance power goes down. Perfect. Um, So some of the things that we kind of talked about deferred maintenance, when oftentimes when a relationship is falling apart, 
um, or it's it's no longer around. We see some some deferred maintenance issues, which we'll talk about when we come back from the break. Right. We also encourage you to be part of the show. That number is 651-641-1071. Also, if you call in today with any of your mortgage and real estate questions, we'll put you in the running for those two tickets to the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show. That number again, 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon here with my good friend Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax uh, uh, and Remax Results. Also with my good friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. We want to encourage you to be part of the show. That number is 651-641-1071. So you can be just like Adrian. Adrian, thank you for calling the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Adrian, what's your question for Mimi and Phil today? Hey, so um, my question is, I'm going through this process, and I want to keep the house. I have a joint mortgage with my husband. Um, We are splitting, and the mortgage rate is incredibly low, and I, I think that I can come up with the cash without a refinance to buy my husband out. Is that, is there a way to do that in just removing his name off of Thank you, Adrian, for that question. That's a great question. Um, Phil is going to answer that because that's a mortgage question. Right. Uh, all right. You've got, you really, I'm really sorry you're going through what you're going through. All right. Thank you. And yeah. I, I can talk to you a lot about this subject and probably be best off of another phone call. But understand if you've got a conventional loan and you've been making the payments for 12 months, there is a possibility you could call the servicer and you could assume that mortgage. The key is, is you have had to have made the payments for the last 12 months. If that isn't the case, you buying out your spouse to keep your current mortgage rate would probably be your best solution as long as you're not going to tap into all your assets to do it. So if you're going to make yourself poor asset-wise just to keep your house that's not a position I would recommend you be in. Sure. But it is possible if I were to have the cash outside of Absolutely. the mortgage. To get. Absolutely. Okay. And, All right. and sometimes that can come down to you working with the lawyer and maybe using retirement funds that can be moved over to the ex-spouse. That's one thing that can be done. Or you actually using you know physical cash to buy out that person. And so let's talk a little bit about her husband. Um, your husband, will he agree to a quick claim deed and, and allow you to do this? <laughs> We're a little early on the pro- in, in along on the process, so I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, that's my hope. Um, right. It, it's amicable. So, yeah. yeah. I would love to talk with you offline concerning your situation and learn more about it. And I can probably provide you some great other feedback. Because that is okay. fantastic. If, if you can do it now, Adrian, when you guys are still, you know, agreeable, agreeable, you know, and it, we know that it gets very sticky once you start right. talking about finances. And so if you can figure out, I mean, we, you know, I, I have friends who are family attorneys and it's very difficult. So congratulations that you hopefully can do this in your relationship where it becomes business, you know, and it's like what's right. best business wise for both of us. So hopefully it stays down that path. That's the hope. Yeah. Thank well, you. Yeah. We appreciate you calling in. You just went in for the drawing for yes. those tickets, mm-hmm. Adrian. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Yay. Thanks so much. Thanks, You're Adrian. Welcome, Adrian. We'll follow up with you. 
And it is difficult when you're going through what Adrian's going through. So thank you both for giving her that advice. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about if you have an agreement with your, your ex and they're not following through with the agreement. Let's say that in the divorce decree that they've agreed to A, pay spousal maintenance in a certain amount, and then they stop. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, I mean, this it's not something I can help with, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to go back to the lawyers. You're having to go back but to let's court. Let's just say that that's the, part of that money was earmarked for the new property or to take over the old property. Well, in, in as far as a mortgage, we have to prove that your spousal support and your child support is being received. Okay. Just because the divorce decree says you get this and you get that, that is not good enough to get a mortgage. And so how long would you have to see in their 90 days, 90 days of them making the payments? Correct. And as long the payments need to be made on time. Okay. And the payments need to be at least the amount on the divorce decree or greater. Okay. If they're less, that's not good. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the equity position of the home. Okay. In a divorce situation, normally we're talking about a buyout. Mm -hmm. Who's going to get what? Who's going to get the house? Well, one of your biggest stumbling blocks is the equity position. If there's no equity in the home and there's a buyout, where's that buyout coming from? All right. But frequently I'll see in a divorce where there's a big equity position and people will go, well, I want 25% or I want 75% and he gets 25% or vice versa. Normally in the state of Minnesota, they'll basically say you're going to, you're going to share. Okay. You're going to split it 50, 50. All right. Now the question is, is how do we do that buyout? All right. And a lot of lenders will do a buyout as a cash out refinance. Okay. It can be done with a divorce decree as a rate and term refinance, much better interest rate, because then we basically put a marital liability. We add that to credit. So if the buyout is 50000 we then put a liability on the application as a marital buyout to the ex-spouse of 50000 And as long as that person is receiving zero money out of the refinance, we can do the mortgage, do the refinance, we can build in the closing costs, and we can pay off the third party that we have to pay off. Such as the 401k. Whatever we're, we're, we're paying off. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, basis and also capital gains. Um, so if, if someone was an owner of a house, let's just say it was the wife mm-hmm. when they were single, and then they got married. Yep. And then the spouse came on. Yep. And the wife put the spouse on the title. Yep. Let's talk about that scenario. Well, frequently in those type of divorce situations, I will see that that they basically determine the equity of the home prior to marriage. Okay. Meaning, hey, you've been in the house for 10 years. It's appreciated this much. And the divorce decree will then come back and say, because spouses only lived in the house for two years, they're only going to get the last two years of equity in the home. Mm -hmm. All right. Call it a prenup. All right. It's almost like a prenup within a divorce decree. All right. Um, 
like I said, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there are so many variables that a consumer, when they're going through a divorce, it becomes very emotional. Right. The toughest piece is taking that emotion and bringing it to, okay, this is business. Right. Miss Shannon, just like you said. Once we can bring it to its business, business, now we can move forward. But as long as there's a lot of high emotion, it is very difficult to help a client going through a divorce situation. And that's where I would tell them, hey, you need to get through this divorce first. Yes, absolutely. What does the divorce decree say? I think that some of the things that we've been talking about today, especially speaks to the people who want to do it themselves. Um, Do not do that. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a lot of money that you would be leaving on the table, possibly, if you try to do it yourself. Because none of us in this room are lawyers. And we we also know a lot about the subject. But we are not attorneys. Um, I, I was also want to say that you need to pay a special attention to what's marital property. You need to pay, pay special attention to capital gains and also the basis and all of that. And, and also, what is marital property? I think uh, we uh, also... Here, I'm going to give you a quick example. Okay, because we do only I'm have a make minute. It quick. There we go. Mm-hmm. All right. You owe 100000 You bought the house for 800000 All right. You owe 100000 and guess what? You get divorced. Yes. Now, guess what? What is the exemption, the federal exemption on a sale? It's 250000 per you, person, the, but within two years, you have to live in the house for two years. Um, folks, we would love to talk with you more about right. this subject. We uh, need to do this more often. We do. This more, go um, deeper, I mean, folks, in this one. you can shop for property. You can reach us with questions at viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. Uh, you can also text your questions to 651-578-2218, both for real estate and for mortgage. And you can reach Phil at 651-238-6748 or email me at phil at com. I know we hit a lot of information this particular episode. So if you have any of those things that are going on in your life right now, we do encourage you again to go ahead and hit up Phil and Mimi. You can text them, as I said, to 651-578-2218. We also are going to end up pulling uh, some winners for that. I always encourage people to go to your website as well. If they're getting ready to look at some things or just need some additional information, this is a great way to do it. Yes. Be sure and hit up that viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. You can compare your house to others. You can shop for new houses. You can just get great information. Right. And we will see you again next time on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Reminding you, you can find this episode and previous episodes if you go to mytalk1071.com, keyword Red Hot.